Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. No Premier League action this weekend, of course, due to the international break. And I think it's fair to say that most Premier League fans never want to see another international window ever again. We've had player injuries, we've had positive COVID-19 tests and plenty and plenty of controversy as football slowly looks to get itself back up and running during the 2020-21 Premier League season. With that in mind, my name is Fergal Brennan and joining me on today's show to have a bit of a grumble about all things international is the Athletics Manchester City correspondent Sam Lee. Sam, how are we? Hello, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right. I'm just ignoring the football that is going on <laughs> saving my energy for the football that I care about so decidedly kind of a little bit grumbly okay uh, someone who might be a bit more grumbly or a bit less we don't know let's see how he's getting on that's the Independence Northern Football Correspondent Mark Critchley Mark how are things? I'm not bad how are you Fergal? I'm very good I'm very good okay so I think you're kind of probably the most positive that's a good start that's a good start <laughs> um, injuries obviously are the big story the big takeaway from the international break and it's been a massive theme in the last few days and that's where we're going to start the show uh, Liverpool's walking wounded Virgil van Dijk Joe Gomez probably going to miss the bulk of the season uh, through injury obviously van Dijk was injured before the international break Mo Salah's tested positive for COVID-19 and looks set to miss at least a week or so of action um, in part two the lads are shorter have some disagreements they're going to give us their top five Premier League strikers that's on the back of Manchester United former striker Andrew Cole naming a few surprises in his own top five and then to wrap up it's another former Manchester United man Wayne Rooney we're going to be discussing his first steps into management as he was named interim boss of Derby County Mark we're going to go to you first Liverpool three massive injuries Joe Gomez Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah Salah we expect could possibly be rushed back if he gives the mandatory two negative tests but at the moment obviously it's a big theme to be angry with the international window and international football and managers etc but if you're Jurgen Klopp Virgil van Dijk gets a season-ending injury you're annoyed Joe Gomez goes away with injury and gets injured in training and is probably going to miss most of the season when you're trying to defend the first title that you've won in, in over three decades you must be absolutely livid 
You've got to be, and he was uh, the last time that we saw him after that Manchester City game a week ago. Um, and it's understandable because the demands of this season, the pressures of this season are so extreme that you almost think something would have had to have given in the football calendar at some point. And yet it turns out nothing did. We're playing basically the same amount of games. Um, you know, there's there's no... I think if you can think off the top of your head, there's just FA Cup replays. There's none of those this year, but that seems to be the one concession that's been made. And we're even playing this week international friendlies. Um, I know there is an argument to say that those would have been played during the summer, during the initial lockdown. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, for example, all the international federations, they all moved a lot of things around and moved the Euros back, etc., just to get to finish the club seasons. And so this is almost a little bit of payback for that. But I really think, you know, that in these in these extraordinary circumstances, you have to start to think, what, what can we, you know, get rid of? How can we lower the demand on players and think about player welfare a bit better and we just simply haven't done that and Liverpool are unfortunate enough to have paid the cost for that um, I think you know the Salah one there's there's nobody that you can blame for that apart from Mo Salah himself if we look at those pictures of him at his brother's wedding <laughs> and it's not such a bad one because you know there's potentially he could come back for that Leicester game if not it's just the one game that he probably misses uh, but the defence is the worry and they're going to have to face a whole season now with without, you'd say, two of their first-choice defenders. Um, the little stretch now, I think they can probably manage through that in the next six. I think it's they got Leicester, but then I think it's Brighton, Wolves, Fulham, Tottenham, Crystal Palace. And, you know, apart from maybe Tottenham and Leicester, none of those teams are really scoring a lot of goals at the minute. And then once that runs over, I think you'll probably have... You'll have Trent back. You'll have Fabinho back playing alongside Matic probably, and, and then Robertson, and, and that's that's still a competitive defence in the Premier League. But it's about the whole season, and and I've favoured Liverpool since basically since they signed Thiago. I thought that they were going to win the title, but the developments of the last few weeks, you do start to question that. Um, Sam, we're going to touch on how Liverpool are planning to deal with this in terms of their lineup in the next few weeks, and and obviously Mark touched on that massive game against Leicester when when they come back to action. But one of the interesting stories that's come out of this is a statement from FIFA uh, yesterday saying that they are prepared to pay a proportion of Gomez's wages because he's covered by their insurance as he was away on international duty. Obviously, fans in these situations are as I mentioned before, absolutely livid at losing star players for club matches. But given the fact that one of the biggest defences is the club pay these players wages, they, they shouldn't be given to international teams when there's not adequate cover. Have FIFA technically fulfilled their obligation here by looking to step in and at least cover a, a portion of the financial cost? Yeah, I don't think there's anything more they could actually do. Like, that, like you say, fulfilled the obligation is is about right. Like what else? What else are they expected to do, really? Um, either don't have the games, but um, it's a bit Dolly Parton, isn't it? International football. Like if you want the rainbow, you've got to put up with the rain, and the rain is all these international breaks. But the rainbow is the summer tournaments, and everybody loves a summer tournament. Um, and I'm sure everybody, especially if there's fans allowed, if they, if they do the Euros next summer as we're kind of hopefully coming through COVID, then it could be one of the best tournaments of all time. And you need you need teams to have these games and prepare, but the three games and the friendlies, it does seem a bit much, but, you know, not really going into bat for FIFA, but what else can they do, really? That's probably about as much as you, you, you could do, really. 
offer to pay the wages and obviously in a lot of players cases not necessarily Gomez's but it'd be quite a lot of money so yeah they've probably done about as much as they can really it's not you know it's not going to it's not going to mean much to Liverpool it's not you know they'd, they'd much rather have the player back but from FIFA's point of view yeah what else could they do uh, Sam I have to say I never had you down as a Dolly Parton fan what's your favourite Dolly Parton tune? Um, well I mean sorry for being completely obvious but it's got to be 9 to 5 isn't it? It is. It's just, it's, just, it's, a, it's a toe tapper. I, I defy anybody to. Well, Jolene's good as well. I mean, that's a. It's good. That's it's good, isn't it? but it's not. But I mean, if if you hear the if you hear the opening bars to to nine till five, you, your shoulders are shuffling <laughs> straight away. I uh, but as two guys who definitely don't work nine to five, your your schedules are pretty loose. I didn't think you'd be going for that, Mark. You're sticking with Jolene, or have you got uh, something else in the back catalogue? Uh, I'll go with Jolene, but I, I can't deny nine to five as well. I'm not. Particularly au fait with Dolly Parton's back catalogue, but 9 to 5 is a banger. I, I agree with Sam on that one. Okay, fair enough. Um, someone who's definitely not going to be working 9 to 5 in the next couple of weeks is going to be Liverpool's defensive coaches, trying to get them a patched up back four. Obviously, you mentioned no Gomez, no Van Dijk. Trent Alexander Arnold is also out for a period. So, Swiss Army Knife himself, James Milner, is probably going to fi- fill in at fullback. But if you're Klopp looking ahead to this really busy run of games they've got nine games between now and the end of 2020 it's probably going to be a combination of Joel Matip and um, Nathaniel Phillips or Reese Williams who has had a couple of impressive performances when he's been thrust into it but Mark how does Klopp approach this because he has to wait at least six weeks until the transfer window opens there's the potential that he could bring in a free transfer but how is he going to look to manage this sheer amount of games when he's missing such important players yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. I think the two lads, the two younger lads, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, when they've come in, have, have generally impressed and, and done a bit better than you would have thought. Um, thought. Williams was good against Atalanta, for example. You know, 5-0, played the 90 minutes, didn't look out of place. But um, the issue is when you're relying on players from your academy is that, you know, to, to take Williams and Phillips as an example, they're two very different players. One's One's like... 18, 19 years old in Williams's case and others about 23 so they're at different stages of development and you never quite know what you're going to get because a lot of the time a lot of the players who who might be good enough uh, to step in and immediately replace they're probably on loan somewhere else or they probably missed the boat a little bit in terms of their development which you could probably maybe say of Phillips if he's still around at 23 and, and wasn't getting regular games at this point so it's a difficult one you never really know what you're going to expect from those players Um I guess the other option is if Fabinho doesn't come back soon enough that he moves somebody like James Milner or um, Aldam or Henderson uh, back, maybe even Robertson, you could move him across and play uh, Shimikas, the, the Greek left back. Um, and that's that's an option that he's said, he's discussed before. He, he, he had a quote a couple of weeks ago about how um, basically all of those players, they aren't any smaller than Javier Mascherano and he did all right for Barcelona when he dropped back into uh, centre-half. So that might be an option. And I think it's, like I said before, because you never really know what to expect from a young player or somebody that's inexperienced, that might actually be a safer option. So I imagine that if, if Fabinho is not back for a while, you could see him experiment and maybe try James Mulder there, who's, who's proved to be very versatile and adaptable in those positions. But yeah, there's a lot of different options and, and none of them are really perfect for him. 
Sam, Liverpool are almost having a bit of a City moment like Manchester City did last season with the injury to Amrik Laporte and Fernandinho stepped in at centre-back and did well but for me, in my opinion, I think ultimately they missed his, his bite and his drive in, in the middle of the pitch. If Liverpool yeah. go with that idea of bringing Fabinho in, positionally he'll probably be okay but it is a very, very different position and you're also losing him in midfield. Do you think there's the danger of Fabinho slots back in at centre-half and, and yes, obviously there's Thiago was Henderson or Wijnaldum can, can rotate their position but we saw last season with Fernandinho that when you remove someone from that number six position that's so important they're not as easy to replace by just shuffling somebody else across No um, I think Liverpool would probably be better to deal with that than City were last season though um, you know, Fernandinho was kind of a was a huge loss anyway there's nobody in the squad similar to him they've managed but then there was other issues so he didn't Fernandino didn't play much towards the end of the season before but Gundogan stepped in and did really well but last year there were kind of issues all over the place and you know pressing up front and and Rodri settling in and all that kind of stuff and David Silva not being the same player so that was difficult but with Liverpool it's not perfect for like Henderson to go back there or Wijnaldum to go back there but there are options there Um, and obviously Thiago it's probably his best position. Um, you'd think, you know, you look at him, you think Premier League size and in terms of stature of player, not a Premier League number six, but I think he's he's that good on the ball and Liverpool are that intense ahead of him. And they've got, you know, intensity immediately ahead of him with Henderson and, and Vijnaldum is still really good. And I mean, wh- whatever's going on with Cater, presumably he can get through some games and be helpful. So I think, obviously this isn't ideal, whether Fabinho's injured or in defence. Um, but I think they're probably the best equipped team. And they haven't got an especially deep squad, Liverpool. Um, but I think they're probably the, yeah, the best equipped to deal with this kind of thing. And particularly with those options that I mentioned. And, you know, Thiago, once, once he's fit and gets a run in the team, there's no reason, size or otherwise, that he can't play number six for this Liverpool team. Uh, Mark, one thing's for certain, in the next few weeks ahead of the, the transfer window opening, Liverpool are going to be linked with every centre-back from here to Timbuktu. And Klopp's got a decision to essentially make. Does he go for a stopgap solution, a, a free transfer, or maybe an experienced loan sign-in to, to get them through until Van Dijk and Gomez are back fit? Or does he go for the other option and think this has maybe actually opened up an opportunity to, to go for certain targets that we've been linked with in the past? Diego Carlos from Sevilla, Kali Kalidou Koulibaly, who obviously Man City and Man United have both been linked with as well. Given Klopp's previous record, it it seems that he's going to tip more towards a little bit of a safe bet. Where do you see him going with this in the market? Um, it's difficult because gen- generally the January market is such a slow one and a lot of clubs don't like to be forced into anything that they weren't necessarily planning in the first place and it's left for emergencies but you you know if there's an emergency if there's ever been a case of an emergency it's probably Liverpool's right now so I could see them change that on the other hand this is Liverpool we're talking about and if there's there's probably not another club in the in the country and perhaps not in Europe that's that's as deliberate about their transfers and, and puts in so much methodical work and effort into it and you know at the same time, centre-half is a position that they've been looking at for about a year or so now, 18 months. And you've heard them link with players. You've mentioned a couple there, but one that sticks in my mind is, is Ben White at Brighton, who they were very keen on 
um, around, well, coming up the start of this year and, and linked a bit during the summer. Um, yeah, you wonder whether at, at that kind of level of club, whether they might go and looking for something there where they, they can be perhaps confident they can do a deal. I don't think, you know, someone like Koulibaly at Napoli, I don't, I don't really see Napoli selling him in the middle of the season, for example, and he's 29 as well. And the, there've been question marks about how long he's got left at the very elite level. So, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't like to try and predict it either way, to be honest. I think that they could reluctantly be forced into the market and uh, to address that issue and maybe accelerate plans that they had further down the line for, for a player, if that's possible. But at the same time, they, like I say, they don't like to be rushed into stuff. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if Klopp and Michael Edwards and you know the rest of the hierarchy there try and almost manage their way through this crisis, believing that they can do. Because Fabinho, to be, I keep coming back to it. Fabinho looks like a player who can slot in there and do a job. And you know, one thing is that it's a lot easier a lot of the time to play centre half as Liverpool than it is if you play for I don't know. Um, Fulham or West Brom or Burnley or somebody or you know you're not there's not as much demands on you and they may feel that they're just able to manage through uh, and get through to the end of the season and properly reassess and and do their spending at a time when you know when when they always intend to and plan to. Sam, would you follow on with that? Obviously, January is always a bit of a minefield for, for buying players. I'm just looking at the free transfers list here, and amazingly, it's, it's full of ex-Liverpool players. Daniel Sturridge, Mario Balotelli, Fabio Barini. I can't see them going back for any of those old favourites. But Daryl Yanmat's been someone that's been linked, and it's kind of been laughed off a little bit. But there is a little bit of a, a January free transfer feel about someone like him, that he could just come in and, and cover for cup games and, and less important Premier League games given the fact that, that, as Mark said, Klopp won't want his arm to be twisted in the market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't sound like a... It's not a, a, it's not, it's not a showbiz signing. No, no, no. No, it's not. But it's as, like, as much as as everything, like as much as the, the, the centre-back situation in particular is bad, it just, and, you know, buying in January and how difficult it is and all that kind of stuff this season is just so mad it's almost like you just want to survive it like obviously whoever wins titles at the end of it are going to be delighted but we're going to look back on these seasons I think you know this isn't me predicting Liverpool are going to win it and I'm trying to do it down you know anyone could win it I've no idea but I think we're going to look back on this season and just be like that was that was mad wasn't it it really wasn't the same In- injuries all over the place fans hopefully coming back at some stage um, but obviously not for most of it and you kind of you do you got to do what you got to do really and yeah I mean I don't think right back would be too much of an issue because by the time you know, they'd sign Yanmat Alexander Arnold would presumably be back so it he might help to cover the odd game and if if he's the best option out there then sure but you know with with Liverpool finding the kind of players they do find with Minamino didn't cost an awful lot Samakis the left back you know plucked from I'm going to out myself as a moron here but relative obscurity I think I'm sure they could I'm sure they could find somebody who they like from a club willing to sell it's just I can't imagine it would be a a big name because while there are clubs out there who might want to sell their star player for 
for cash up front. I'm not sure if Liverpool were in quite the financial position to to take advantage of that themselves. But um, yeah, I'd imagine it it wouldn't come to Jan Matt. I'm sure they'd be able to find somebody who actually fits them a, a bit better because as Mark says, you know, they'll have lists and lists of, of people who could who could do a job for them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it already. I can see the headlines now in January. Liverpool reject Koulibaly interest to move for stalwart Daryl Janmat to solidify their uh, push for a title defence. I absolutely can't wait for that. Uh, Guys, we're going to call it there for the first part. After the break, the guys are going to be giving us their top five ever Premier League strikers. This is sure to be a bit of a row because they've both already disagreed in the warm-up to the show and I can't wait to see who's number one for Mark and for Sam. Join us after the break. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Now, obviously, with the international break in full swing, there's no domestic action this weekend. But that doesn't mean that we're not here on the Football Social Daily team. Every single day, we are your go-to source. A daily podcast talking about all things related to the English top flight, transfer news, match previews, reviews, everything you could ever want relating to your favourite teams. Now, before the break, we talked about Liverpool's injury misery. Now we're going to look at something a little bit lighter. Former Manchester United striker Andrew Cole has named his five best ever Premier League strikers. Now, these types of games are always a bit of a row and we've all spent hours in the pub arguing with people over who's better and who doesn't deserve to lace the boots of so-and-so. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about Andrew Cole's list and then Mark and Sam are going to give us their top five. So to start off, Andrew, who's not with us, his top five from one to five is Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, Sergio Aguero, Wayne Rooney and Rude Van Nistelrooy. That's his order. That's his decision. Now, guys, we're going to go backwards with you to build up the dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum anticipation. So we're going to go five to one. Mark, we're going to start with you. Coming in at number five for Mark Critchley is... My number five is Harry Kane, Um, which people might not necessarily put him in because he's still currently playing. But... Um, I, I guess, you know, the, the methodology for all this is you think, who's the best striker in the Premier League in all time? And you go immediately to the all-time leading goal scorers, obviously, don't you? And, like, just looking at that, Kane's at ninth on the list, 150 goals. Uh, and, you know, so that's... Andrew Cole is third for 187. So he's already closing in on that, and he's still, you know, he's still got plenty of years ahead of him. So he's going to finish... You know, injury permitting, he's going to finish probably top three, top four at least. Uh, and I think in the fullness of time, we'll come to see him as, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, if you're asking me in five years' time, in 10 years' time, he's probably higher up my list as well. But at the minute, I would put him, I would put him fifth on that. Um, okay, Sam, number five for you. Yeah, I was waiting for the surprise element of hearing Andrew Cole's list. Um, Oh, apologies. Unless you no, have, no, unless, no. unless you've no, no, copied this, his list, we're okay. Well, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I, have, I have gone for Van Nistelrooy. Okay. Um, I, I just remember, I haven't got Kane in mind. I'm, as a spoiler alert now, but I haven't got Kane in mind, basically just because I think he is 
really good at the moment and by the end of his career he probably will be in it I, I I'd see what Mark's saying completely to be fair but I just think yeah they, he could have he could have been fifth but what I'll say for Van Nistelrooy is I just remember him just being so deadly and I know Kane is as well but you see the old programs on Sky Sports every now and again and I just there's just some goals you just laugh at you just think, how's, how's he called? For, how's, he, how's he put that in from there? And it's just so instant. The ball comes in and he's just banged it in from a ridiculous angle. And again, I know you can say this about Kane, but just the thing I remember about Van Nistelrooy was just so deadly, proper striker. You know, there's there's people in this list who weren't just number nines, but as we're talking number nines and, and this particular list, I, I, yeah, Van Nistelrooy for me, he has to go in because he was just, he wasn't there at United's best period, but... um the goals he was banging in were just ridiculous really okay so Mark's gone with current and a bit of logic 150 Premier League goals for Harry Kane uh, 95 I was a bit surprised about that for Ruud van Nistelrooy yeah so, surprisingly he didn't yeah, get more than 100 I, I thought um, he would have at least broken a ton but I, I would agree I think he's worth at least at least a place um, Lee and Cole agreeing uh, United City United there together Mark number four uh, just above Harry Kane who are you going for my four was Ruud van Nistelrooy so I think, yeah, oh, that surprised me as well. <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? Did, did, you not, um, did you not read the email? Do not message each other the players that you've picked. I feel like if Mark's left somebody out, then I've messed up. No, I don't... Well, you know, I probably messed up here. Okay, let me explain why I put Van Nistelrooy there. Is because I was surprised as well that he hadn't got more than 100 or less, he's got less than 100, he got 95. And so, because I'm an absolute nerd, I sat there with the list of like players who got over 100, and then I figured it out in Excel, like goals per game. So I like divided, so I've got like a little, so that's why Kane's in there, by the way, because he's top, of all those players, he's top, like he scores the most goals per game, like 0.69 or something, not to get too technical. But Van Nistelrooy, he, you know, he, he was only around for like five seasons in the end, but yeah. he, he got near 100 goals. So that's 20 goals a season. Um, I think in this list, this goals per game list, he's like fourth or whatever of all those strikers, even those ones who've got 100 goals. It comes out most on top of those. And like thinking of him as a player, more anecdotally rather than like stats and numbers and stuff, yeah, like yeah. His, his, his instinct, knowing where to be, knowing where the ball would go. You know, people used to criticise him, I think, for not scoring like outside the penalty box but you don't need to score outside the penalty box if you know where the ball is going to be in there so I just thought like in terms of yeah in terms of a player who had that natural just goal poaching instinct I think he was probably the best that we've seen in the Premier League in in, in that sense and um, and yeah I think he yeah number four for me Okay Sam number four Ruvan Nistelrooy you've both had him who are you going for? Aguero I've gone for Aguero um He's a bagsman, isn't he? Absolute bagsman. Just, <laughs> you was going to say, you sound just, kind of sheepish. Go for it. No, um, I don't know, maybe I was expecting a bit more of a reaction. But I think <laughs> for, for me, I think the top three are kind of, the, the top three are just set in stone. And Ooh. it's that kind of anecdotally rather than statsy, you know, maybe, you know, with Van Nistelrooy getting in as well, maybe I'm thinking back to my own childhood and when the Premier League was better in, you know, the early 2000s and all this stuff. But the top three, which we'll get to, for me, are unmovable. Um, and for Aguero to get in there at four in my list, I'm sure he'll be very happy with. Um, no, he's, Aguero's Aguero. Like, 
what Mark was saying then about Van Nistelrooy and not scoring from outside the box and he didn't have to. Like Aguero is almost or potentially as good as Van Nistelrooy inside the box in terms of those number nine instincts. And I've written articles about how hard he works on, you know, studying the the opposition and the goalkeepers and, you know, which way the goalkeeper's diving one-on-ones or how, you know, whether he has to go early, whether he has to go late, that kind of stuff. He's like... If you if you just looked at him now, look, maybe now he's not doing so much research and he's just playing computer games instead. Maybe that's how it is. But you wouldn't think by looking at him how much work he actually does going into it. And he's never been a great maybe before Guardiola got there, he'd never been a great trainer. He never did an awful lot, but he'd always do enough on the pitch and enough was for his level is incredible. But then you've got the outside the box goals as well. Um he scored one of, I remember he, he missed an absolute sitter, basically an open goal against Chelsea couple of years ago and then he about five minutes later I think it was he banged one in from about 25 yards into the opposite top corner and he scored a hat-trick that game and I think it was the week before or the week after but it was exactly seven days he scored a hat-trick against Arsenal as well um he's just incredible like he scores loads of different types of goals important goals he's had injuries he would have scored even more if it wasn't for them he's the top overseas Premier League goal scorer of all time and again that's despite injuries He's scoring the same amount of goals now under Guardiola as he was before, but he's added so much to his game under Guardiola and it never affected the goals he scored. I just, I can't say enough about him, to be honest. I think he's fantastic. And the fact that he's only fourth on the list goes to show how highly I rate the, the three I put above him. And he's fourth on the all-time Premier League goal-scoring list, 180 Premier League goals, <laughs> yeah, seven. Well, yeah, with the injuries and stuff now, I was thinking he, he'd creep up to, to second by the time he left, but... Depended on this season, and if he were to leave, then that, I don't think he'd quite get there. But um, if he does come back fit and he does sign a new contract, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up second, definitely third. Yeah, I think it's well, he's probably going to take over Cole this season. He just needs eight mm. to get up to third place. My spidey sense is saying that Sam has, has gone with the house on this, given the fact that he said that one, two, three are already set in his mind. But we won't spoil anything just yet. Mark, <laughs> uh, who's the bronze medal in your team? Um, okay, my my third place is Shearer. My third place is Shearer because <laughs> because because uh, state your case, Mark. State my case. I really don't want to have to lean back on those numbers again and just like. But so Shearer is like 0.59 goals a game, which is less than Van Nistelrooy, which is less than. Aguero, which is less than Kane, which is less than Henri, which is less than Luis Suarez at Liverpool, less than um, Torres, just in his Liverpool spell though, as well. Um, And maybe I'm punishing him a little too much because he had such a long career, if you know what I mean. And so his career encapsulates him at his peak, but also in his declining years. And perhaps perhaps that's why the numbers slightly, you know, go against him a little bit. I, I think I just marked him down a little bit from the top two positions because he took a lot of penalties. And I feel like you have to factor that into the conversation, you know, because he is so far above everybody else in terms of goals. I don't have like the numbers in front of me for how many of those are penalties, but that has definitely helped him along his way. Um, so I decided like he, he absolutely had to be top three, but I was only going to put him at three controversial shout uh, number three for you Sam uh, Rooney yeah Rooney uh, it's it's a toss up between 
You got it. Got to go. Got to go. Go. Go with you. Got number two. But no. Yeah, Rooney. Just. Just as three. Um, Rooney's come back now. He's having a bit of a renaissance, in in my mind at least. Because, you know, for many of the last three years at United, it was, this guy's finished. Just just get rid of him. Um, and obviously he had his run-ins with the fans, with the, tran- the transfer requests quite about 10 years ago. I feel old. Um, but, you know, now you kind of look back with a bit more rose-tinted specs and you appreciate him for what he was and what he did do. And he was, he was so good for so long. And obviously, look, he's not a number nine. He arguably may have had his one of his best seasons or most consistent seasons when he did play as a central striker. I think that was 2009-10. And him getting injured was kind of the end of United's season that year. Um, didn't reach the Champions League final, which was quite rare at that point, and, and lost the league to Chelsea um, the same week that he got injured, I remember. Um, he's just incredible. And talking about someone who scores all different types of goals and um, kind of more explosive as well. Aguero didn't get credit for a long, long time, until very recently, really. And I always put that down to the fact that he wasn't very explosive outside the box. He didn't beat a player, um, which, is, which is fine. It just wasn't his game. But um, Rooney, you know, you got that excitement. And he was different types of player throughout his career. His game evolved, talking about Aguero earlier on. You know, when Rooney first came through, he was just so powerful. And the, the dribbling, he was so exciting. Obviously, that goes back to when he was at Everton as well. I don't think... Well, I mean, there will be that kind of excitement around the player, but like even Sancho now, maybe it's because he's in Germany, but Sancho's numbers is like, oh yeah, God. But I just remember with Rooney, and again, maybe this is youth, but just with Rooney, it was just so exciting seeing him come through at Everton and where he's going to go on to and where he's going to end up. And yeah, he was just just so good. And I don't know what his goals per game was like. And I, I feel like... You've got I'm, bad news for you, Sam. Is it terrible? I'm willing to hear this. No, look, right, so Rooney was the one that I left out. Rooney was the one I left out um, because um, I agree with absolutely everything you said there and he would have been my number six. But um, I feel like, it's like you said, he had different phases through his career and I think if you could just take that early phase away in Rooney, then he's probably a better player. He's definitely... I think even if you just take the whole of his career, he's a better all-round footballer than Shearer, like absolutely 100%. But if we're judging this on strikers and goals, then I feel like, and he's a better footballer than Van Nistelrooy, but I, I just feel that like, if we're judging it on goals and like that's that's how I've approached it at least, I don't think he I don't think he gets there just because he, he had that period where he kind of tails off after the injury in like 2010. And you know, up until that stage, I think he, he, he should... He could have overtaken Shearer if, and then we really couldn't have much of an argument put him in at least the top five if he's the most, you know, he's the highest goal scorer in Premier League history. But I just think he wasn't. He, he became a more rounded player, and he's kind of suffered that in my rankings. Okay, right. The business end of it. Given the fact that you've both given six names combined, and you've only had one crossover, and that's Ruud van Nistelrooy. There's going to be some big names kept in and there's going to be some big names missing out Mark back to you second place just above Wayne Rooney is uh, my second place was Aguero um, because again like for all the reasons Sam said before and he's he put it much better than I could to be honest but um, given just how many kind of setbacks he's had over the last few years in terms of injury given the fact that he's not always consistently taken penalties um, to be to be like fourth in that list and to be the highest overseas player to be in it. I think um you have to you have to 
put some respect on his name for that. <laughs> He's an absolute bags man, as uh, as Sam said, and um, he is. And uh, I think you know, I didn't try and factor this in as well, but like what you win and what you achieve as part of a collective as well as an individual comes into it. And he's obviously won, you know, Premier League titles um, through his goals. And he's won a Premier League title with a goal in the most memorable way possible. Um, so, yeah, I think extra marks for that. And that's why he's my number two. OK, Sam, over to you for the silver medal. Give it to us. Uh, yeah, Thierry Henry. He was just... Phenomenal. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't want Mark to give it away, but I'm guessing this is Mark's number one. I'd, my jaw, my, my jaw's just hit the floor. Go on, explain to me why I'm reason number two. Uh, well, he's number two because that's almost is like, like the n- number one by default has to be one man. Like it, it's just he just he owns that number one slot. He's not the best player in Premier League history, but he's the best goal scorer um, despite the numbers. And on, but on we'll get onto that. But on is right up there. Probably the best... Obviously, Aguero's giving him a run now, but I still think, because like I mentioned when I was talking about Rooney, Henri had that explosivity. He could beat the man. He scored all different types of goals. He was just... Again, maybe I'm thinking back to my childhood and everything was better, et cetera, et cetera, but he was so deadly. He dominated... Well, I say dominated the league. They never retained a title, did they? But he was just so dangerous. You could never take your eye off him. He would boss games. And I mean, yeah... if you look at what Arsenal did with him, there was a lot of good stuff, but they never probably dominated like like United did, but you wouldn't put any United player above him individually for, for goals scored, you know, for all the great strikers they had. Um Henri was just amazing. Like I don't I don't think there's anything I, I can add. And I'm sure Mark will be talking about him next anyway, and he and he'll he'll add some more. But he, he just frightened the he frightened the death out of me as well, frightened the life out of me when I was a when I was a kid watching football, just thinking this this guy. And even when he went to Barcelona and he you could just think you can't you can't get rid of this guy. He was just fantastic and um a real poster boy for the Premier League and again probably helped by coming through in that era. And you know the era when it really took off with superstars and the the big rivalries, and it started to get like you know a world famous league. But um, it was just just a whirlwind, really. And the finishing, like the the trademark finish, you know, opening his body up and curling it into the far post with his right. That that's that's just the Henri finish. He was just just deadly, um, and just like it's just cool and that star quality and that arrogance as well that obviously everyone hated if you played against him but you can look back now and go yeah you were classmate and he backed it up as well so yeah that's he's number two and that's effectively as high as he could as anybody could possibly go in this list uh mark i think we've by process of elimination got there did you buy this is like a massive game of guess who this is like we're all playing guess who in in three different houses uh have you got a handsome french guy that scored a load of goals uh, David Ginnell wasn't a striker, was he? <laughs> no. Um, yes, I do, actually. Yeah, it's Henri. Um, and, you know, I, I'm conscious that we don't want to spend ages talking about the same player twice. But um, I, to what Sam said, uh, I, just, I think I just had that trademark finish that he had where he cuts him from the right, usually beats Jamie Carragher on the inside and then, and then scores at the far post. Um, that is one where, you know, if we're looking at this list... He's not an out-and-out striker, even though he played he played up front a lot. He kind of redefined and remodelled how strikers could play. Uh, and you see it a lot more now in terms of players that 
um, are, are basically wingers, but they play on their wrong side and they cut inside, and and that's how they score their goals, shooting across the goalkeeper. If you think, you know, I don't know whether we would include someone like Mo Salah in this list or Sadio Mane. Um, maybe we will in ten years' time, but maybe we wouldn't because we wouldn't necessarily think of them as as strikers in the same mould as like Shearer and, and and in the classic role. And if you like, Omri's the kind of bridge between those two generations and. Um, yeah, I, I just think when he was at his absolute best, there was, if Sam said there about being scared of him, I think there'd be no no opposition player that you would fear more than him when he was at his absolute best. And um, yeah, he's my number one. Uh, Sam, put us out of our misery. Who have you gone for? Yeah, Shearer. Um, really? Glad really? Mark, it, just, it, just has, it just has to be, doesn't it? Like, I'm, I'm glad Mark put him at three and put the kind of points against. I think that, that makes for it. A kind of interesting chat, really, on on this format. But uh, she was just like just incredible. Um, just for like for everything that Mark said about like the taking penalties and stuff. Well, Aguero takes penalties, but he's not particularly good at them. You know, you still got to be good at them. And I, I can't make my mind upon that debate whether you know penalties should count or they detract anything from a record. You know, you've still got to be good and, and put them away. And he certainly was that. Um, just and it's just like a ridiculous amount of goals. Like, so the focus on Kane will be: will, will Kane reach that? And it's like, so it's a big ask. You know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. Will I was asked this on on something the other day: Will Kane get there? And I was like, I don't want to sound negative, but I don't think so. Like, it's just a ridiculous amount of goals. Like, he's so far ahead of everyone else. And like the knee injuries, like he scored goals for Southampton before the Premier League started as well. So I think that's another thirteen or something like that. Um. He, the knee injuries absolutely ruined him he kind of invented himself he lost all his pace but still carried on he didn't play for big teams and it's not like it's not like somebody who got like 150 goals and say well if he played for Man United or if he played for Arsenal or you know, Chelsea a bit later or whatever he would have had even more he still got 260 anyway like just ridiculous um I dread. To, I mean, honestly, I've no idea how many goals he would have got if he'd have stayed fit, and if he'd have played for Man United, for example, which you know he, he didn't want it, so fine. But if just if he had played for one of those top teams of the era without those injuries, I don't, what would he have got? Another at least another fifty, maybe another hundred, and, and nobody can get near him anyway. Like it's just incredible. Like, it blow, absolutely blows my mind. Like it's always funny when when they've got match of the day on and they, they show like the striker stats and he's normally at the top and he's just looks so like smug but it's like well how like you couldn't be anything but smug could you like you've you've absolutely <laughs> like just fair play to him like he, he should dine out on that up forever and I mean I, I, he has really hasn't he with his stature in the English game at the moment he's just punned it for match of the day and actually you know, colleague of mine technically um, <laughs> just, uh, just now we see how the sausages are made yeah <laughs> after all this <laughs> Sam after all, all your logic I'm contractually obliged to say he's number one <laughs> after all your logical and passionate arguing for the right placing of all these players it's, it's just jobs for the boys isn't it <laughs> no, you know what I didn't I, I didn't like have much warmth for him as a player like I, obviously like growing up I, I didn't really have that for Henri either but kind of come around to him which you kind of grow up and you go yeah he was he was quality but I, I, I don't know like, I never and I never I'd never actually had that kind of scared to death of Shearer kind of element like I did with Henri but maybe that's because he was at Newcastle and they weren't proper challenges when he was when he was there but um you just got to look at what he did and just think that's just outrageous and like I say he's not just topped by like one or two he's topped by absolutely miles I'm I, 
I don't know who's ever like if Kane doesn't get there I'm not sure whoever will I mean look we're going to be football's been going to be going on forever however long forever is we've got left on this planet as a as a body of rock um, but, so you, you, you'd imagine it's like saying nobody you, you could have probably said there'd be nobody better than Pele and Maradona and now Messi's come along there might be somebody better than Messi in, in 40 years but I just if Kane doesn't get better than Shearer and I don't think he will unless he never gets injured again and he carries on bossing it um I just don't know who's ever going to get close to him. And like I say, he wasn't even at one of the, the top, top teams that were creating a, a hatful of chances. Um, just incredible, really. Okay, Mad. I think I think it's fair to say, Alan, if you're listening and you're looking for a new best friend at The Athletic, uh, <laughs> Sam Lee is, is more than willing to fill that position. Um, for anyone who's interested, my top five, I'm I'm sticking more towards Mark. I've gone Henri 1, Shearer 2. Quickly, my reason would be, as Mark said, he was just so deadly, so so efficient he trademarked that goal but my argument for for edging on Rio over Shearer was I don't think there was a point where Shearer was the best player in the world whereas I think there was a number of occasions with Henri at Arsenal where he was the best. That that would be why I would why I'd edge him over Shearer. Number three, I've gone over for a two hundred and sixty goals. <laughs> Sorry, but, like, every counterpoint for me is he scored two hundred and sixty goals. Yeah, it's not he, like he has seventy four, but I don't two hundred and sixty. I don't hundred more than anyone. Well, seventy more than anyone else. Even at his absolute peak for Newcastle, I still think there was a better player than him in world football. And I, and well, I think how was he scoring them goals? Like, I just don't get it. No, no, he's he is unreal. But that's you know it's it's thin margins at the top, and and that's that's why I'd go with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Aguero, I've gone for number three, as all the reasons that Sam brilliantly pointed out. He's he's outstanding, and he's for me he's the he's the best striker of the last ten years. I've gone for someone at four that need. I've gone well. Van Nistelrooy, I've gone for five. I think we're all big fan of Rude, so I've stuck him at five. And number four, I can't believe both of you have left him out. Uh, Didier Drogba. So I've gone. I've gone. I saw him and thought that's interesting, um, but I've I've kind of listened to the Michael Cox agenda on this, and he, yeah. I remember him. He I remember him telling me about some stats about how he wasn't that good, and I was like, oh, because in my and I've kind of just accepted that as fact. But I, yeah, to be, Drogba is an interesting one because all those things about being scared of him and you know, being unstoppable and like just dominating and just being like, oh god, this guy again, like. Chopper was an absolute force of nature and yeah I mean to be fair I'm not sure I'm not sure I'd change my five but I mean maybe I might change I might stick it in five but I have to listen to I wouldn't no 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 no, who do you you think's got more goals Darren Ben or Didier Drogba in the Premier League you're going to make me look like a mug here and say Ben (laughs) It's Darren Brent. Uh, it's Darren Brent. That's why I asked the question. Obviously, I don't know. But I, I'm, <laughs> um, to prove a point, uh, yeah, I look. I think with Drogba, you have to bring in his all-round play more than the goal-scoring ability. And again, like I feel like I've tied myself in knots because I've judged some players on whether they scored goals, and then I've put Shearer at yeah. three, even though he scored the most out of any. So, you know, um, yeah, it's difficult. But I, I think, I think he'd maybe be top ten rather than top five. Okay, I think he'd a bit of longevity as well, don't you? I mean, oh God, the thing is, he was there for ages as well. But you get you, you start getting close to like Suarez and Torres at their peak, kind of thing, don't you? Because they were like yeah. so good, but not for like a long amount of time. But yeah, Drogba was—he's mm. very close, Drogba, very close, very close. 
Well, I think it's fair. It's, to a, say- it's, an outra- it's why it's a good conversation, though, isn't it? It's like it's an outrageous. <laughs> this, um, I think it's fair to say that no one would have Darren Bent, despite his excellent goal scoring record. I think he probably just misses the cut. Uh, fellas, we're going to call it there for part two. Brilliant chat that, and obviously we were never ever going to agree on who we'd have in our top five. So thank you, Mr. Cole, for making us all fall out with each other. After the break, we're going to be talking about someone who did feature in the top five. Neither of the guys judged him good enough to be number one, and that's Wayne Rooney, who's been installed as interim manager of Championship side. County. We'll catch you in a second. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Just a quick reminder, if you hit subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new podcast every single day. And if you want to keep up to date with your own team and you have an Amazon Alexa device, simply ask it to enable Sports Social, select your team and away you go. Before the break, we're talking goals, 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 goals. Someone who's not afraid of banging the ball in the back of the net is Wayne Rooney. Mark, he's taken over as interim manager, caretaker manager, however you want to phrase it, at Derby County. Philip Cock who has been sacked and Wayne has taken over. Is this a little bit of a strange move or do we think this could be the opening steps to a managerial career? Um, it, it can be both, I think. It could be a little bit of a strange <laughs> move um, and perhaps not one that works out in the short term, but there's, you know, there's every reason to expect that this is the beginning of something which Rooney said himself for a long time he wants to go into management. Um I think there's, you know, there's stories about how he used to make suggestions to Ferguson about um, who should be playing in particular starting lineups, and most of those suggestions were ignored, of course. But um, he's, he's clearly always thought about this as, as something that he wants to do in future. Um, I remember there was, he did an interview with MUTV, and he, he was saying that he would, he always felt like he would rather go down to the lower leagues and build his reputation up rather than just jumping straight into a big club. And um, I think, you know, I, I would consider Derby a pretty big club and the championship is certainly not the lower leagues. You know, it's, it's a very competitive league and a, obviously only one below the Premier League, but, you know, it, it's a difficult league to, to start your managerial career in. And I think um, that's possibly why, you know, you say that interim manager, it seems like they're doing a, a kind of weird thing where they've got him, Liam Rossini, Shea Given, and uh, another Derby coach. His name escapes me at the minute, but they're kind of working as a kind of brains trust, if you like, to to see through this this period that they've got. And, um, you know, maybe he'll come to the fore in that a little bit, and maybe that's a device that they're going to use to try and get a bit more perspective on how he is as a coach and a manager. I know he's been working as a player coach there for for about a little under a year now. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels to me like it's a, it's going to be a difficult job. I mean, you look at them, it's bottom of the championship. That's despite the fact that Sheffield Wednesday had that 12-point deduction. It's, I think Wickham lost like the first seven games and yet Derby are, Derby are still in, they're still the basement club, still in last place. And there's a lot of turmoil at the minute because there's talk of a takeover, um with Sheikh Mansour's cousin, no less. Um, so there's a lot up in the air, and it's going to be it, it, it's going to be a lot for any anybody to any manager to try and bring under control, let alone somebody who is stepping into their first proper job uh, in in football management. 
Sam, obviously in these situations, former Premier League superstar, huge amounts of goals as we discussed before the break, England record internationals. He's a massive, massive name. Obviously, the, the Derby County players will instantly have respect for him. They they know him already. He's been playing with them and he's been involved in the coaching side, as, as uh, Mark mentioned before. But for me, there's, there is something about Rooney that he doesn't fall into as many of the trappings of other former Premier League players. We've seen so many massive names that theoretically you would look at and go, of course, they'll be a good manager. They've got all the right ingredients. What a player, what a player. And it hasn't worked out for them. But there does seem to be a, a quiet authority about Rooney and a, and a humility, as, as Mark said, to to learn and work with with perhaps teams and obviously players that are not at the level that he was when he was at his pomp. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one to work out. And I think that's probably just because of the usual stereotypes about who makes a good manager. And you normally think in central midfielders or, or centre-backs. Um, it just seems like the, the players who go into it if certainly of of our era, I guess um, they seem to be in that mould, and and Rooney's obviously, yeah, just a, a, a striker or sometimes a, a forward, you know, a winger, whatever. It it he just doesn't seem like the 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 type. Um, it's, I yeah, I can't work it out. I'm not sure. Um, the the number one stereotype and cliche for these kind of appointments is, you know, are they going to be able to get their message across to players who aren't as good as them? Um, and like you say, though, there is that side of him. And he's he is obviously a, a thinker about the game. Um, I know they're ghostwritten, obviously, but I, I really enjoyed his, his columns in The Times. I think they've been fantastic, um, really insightful. Um, and, you know, it, it's mad. The, the amount of footballers who now work in the media or do have columns, they don't come anywhere near that level of insight. So you think he's... He might have a an edge on on a lot already, and you know tactically and and in terms of advice, um, he he might he might be well placed. Um, Dar, I mean Derby is obviously a difficult club. You know, Mark was talking about how difficult it is to get out of the championship. Like, I don't think any club know that better than Derby. You know, they've always you know so many times they've been favourites and never managed it. And obviously, they've had a very similar experiment as it were, with, with Lampard that went you know, pretty well, but just lost one game and that was it. Um, I don't actually think Rooney's going to end up getting this job. I've just got a feeling, I think they look they are looking around for others. Um, he might make a pretty convincing case though. And I suppose for a, any new consortium looking to buy them, you always want to kind of make a statement and having Wayne Rooney as your manager straight away, if he were to have a good interview, if he were to prove himself in the interim, it would look pretty good, but um, I don't know. I think they might end up finding somebody else, but it's only a matter of time, isn't it, with Rooney? He, he will he will pop up somewhere as a manager, and it will be really interesting to see how it goes. Um, but, God, what 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 do we expect from... You know, what are we expecting from, from Lampard? I mean, to be fair, did anyone expect him to be at Chelsea and, you know, potentially winning the league, albeit in a, in a crazy season, you know, three years ago when... Yeah, Gerard might well win the league with Rangers as well. So I don't know. Maybe Rooney will be winning the Premier League in a couple of years. But it's just so hard to, it's just so hard to envisage that now. It's kind of like this is prime football manager territory, isn't it? When top players like that just suddenly end up managing a football club, I just think it just doesn't look right. But it is right, and I'm sure Rooney. I think he'll be decent. But no, I've no idea what to expect when it when it does inevitably happen. 
Sam, I think you're absolutely right there. This is a kind of terrifying, through the looking glass, football manager save where you've left the computer on and, and gone on holiday for a week and Rooney lifting the Premier yeah. League trophy. We've all got those players where you think that was when you knew you weren't going to be a professional. Mine was always Walcott. And, you know, I think the day that he returns to the Emirates and takes over as manager, I'll know that football <laughs> is football is no longer for me. Guys, we're going to call it there. It's been a brilliant show. Obviously, you're never going to agree on the top five Premier League strikers, but we're all still friends. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just about. Just, uh, just about. about, just about. That's the strength <laughs> yeah. of professionalism within football journalism. Uh, Mark, well. Sam. <laughs> well, well, just just, just about, just about. Uh, Mark, Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show and joining me. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, really thanks. Enjoyed it. Thanks very much. And thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, every single day, Premier League podcast here on the Football Social Daily. Give the subscribe button a little click and you'll be good to go for next time. The team will be back tomorrow looking back at England's game against Belgium and all the other Premier League news heading into a big weekend of action when the domestic season gets back to us. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.